0: Thank you for joining for this episode of the Tech Spective podcast. Uh, my guest for this episode is Amar Alim. Uh, so Amar, if you could introduce yourself, get a little bit of a background on um, you know where
1: where you're at and what you do. thanks, Tony. Um, good morning to you. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, my name is Amar Alim, and I'm currently um, I lead the DevSecOps solutions um, function within Adobe, um, supporting a group of um, engineers who are trying to make security uh, more effective, easy, and delightful. Um, prior to this role, um, I way back I started like from the physical layer in like call data centers. Um, rack and servers, and just following the cloud um, technology evolution, uh, moved from a data center setting to virtualization where I was managing and uh, administrating um, a VMware farm. From there, followed the cloud again and became a cloud engineer, then a cloud security engineer then now uh, closer to the user closer to the software doing the SecOps solutions and who knows maybe next time we'll move into even closer to the uh, user by doing something with software okay
0: well and it's it's interesting how that how that all has evolved and how things kind of keep kind of coming together over time you know it's like everything's kind of more more tightly aligned um but where I wanted to start things off, though, is uh, you know a lot of what you do has to do with you know uh, you know security, application security, um, and you know last year you know everyone you know the 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 uh, the Verizon data breach uh, report is like you know the Bible of data of, of data for for a lot of people, and last year's showed that a quarter of the successful attacks are actually originating from the application layer. So I'm curious, you know, what, from, from what you see, like why do you
1: think that is? Very good question. So there, there are many reasons for that, um, but to name a couple um, that come to mind is that, you know, the application is the front door, is what available publicly reachable, anyone can find your URL and they can scan it and find vulnerabilities very easily. And they start from there. Um, the second thing is that most of um, like to to enable innovation in rapid software development, we have to use third-party tools or libraries, and those have vulnerabilities. So this is the easiest. Uh, like you get high ROI on your on your effort when you start there. So
0: okay, just to name sense. a couple, it makes sense. And and you know, and I've I, and I've had a couple of conversations in in recent months about things like that like about how you look at something like log4j and when that when that hits it's real easy to say oh yes i use apache i use log4j i should go look at that um the challenge is most of the implementations of that vulnerable code Probably exist outside of actual Log4j. It's other people who are using the same, you know, the same code module, the code snippet, or whatever, but may not actually realize they're using Log4j.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's uh that's uh and, and it's across. Like if you if you think about you Node.js, know, there are hundreds and if sometimes thousands of uh, depending on the app thousand of libraries and you really don't know what you are using sometimes it's it's really difficult
0: okay so in your, you know you you're you're doing devsecops um, you know w- with adobe um what is your what is your approach for addressing the issue like how do you how do you deal with the fact that you know the, these you know that that applications are your your sort of your achilles heel
1: fantastic question so at Adobe, I, I got lucky where I I am working for quote unquote the founder of um devsecops.org, um Shannon Leeds. Like I'm I'm pretty sure your uh viewers are um kind of familiar with that name. So she kind of she laid the foundation of how you go about securing software. And I'm I'm very aligned with her approach, which is pretty much making security very accessible for engineering teams. Um, eliminate fear, eliminate guesswork, make it very simple, very approachable. Engineering teams have a lot of things to do. There's so many things to to learn and 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 features to ship for a company like Adobe that is really um, innovative we have to make security very accessible to them um, in the form of solutions, tooling, guidance, and whatever it takes just to make that barrier to entry very low as far as adapting advanced security solutions.
0: Okay. Well, one of the things that, yeah i've i've noticed for a long time i've talked about frequently is you know the, the thing you know zero zero days get a lot of attention you know they they make they make headlines um everyone's like oh my god there's a zero day um but the empirical evidence suggests that like that's not that's not really where you're weak um you know like like yes that's a problem like yes attackers you know threat you know th- threat actors have you know arsenals of zero days that you don't know about yet that they can use to to get in and and, and those kind of things. But that's almost like the uh, I don't know. That's like the dramatic James Bond version of cybersecurity. Whereas the the reality is uh, most attacks are just using. You know already existing known things they're they're following standard patterns they're not special it's not that it's a sophisticated nation state it's just that you know you 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 have misconfigured or, or poor security or, or or you have open vulnerabilities that have been known about for years or whatever um and i think that the you know kind of the the foundation of the standard approach to cybersecurity is the sort of vulnerability and patch vulnerability management and and patch management. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to, I'm going to scan constantly for vulnerabilities and then I'm going to go patch them. Um, and it seems like that's, uh, you know, on the one hand, if you could do, if you could do that, if you could patch all the vulnerabilities, maybe that would be great, but it's impractical uh, to think that you can patch all the vulnerabilities, first of all. And, Second of all, it seems like a lot of organizations struggle with where to start with that because, you know, you don't don't just go alphabetically. You don't just go numerically like you need to have some sort of a a, a context prioritization of like, well, why, you know, which which vulnerability matters the most. Um, And that and that's and that's a function of a lot of things that aren't just the, you know, uh, CV score and stuff. You know, it's like that, that's one factor. One factor is yes, someone arbitrarily says this is a critical vulnerability, but it's like, okay, but you know, what other mitigations do you have in place? And what, you know, what, what system or server does that, does that vulnerability even exist in? And, you know, so all of that's a very long way to say that yes, vulnerability management and patch management are useful, especially if they could be done fully. Um, but since they can't, it seems like maybe that's not the place that you should f- focus. Like you shouldn't hang all of your cybersecurity on your ability to patch vulnerabilities.
1: I 100% agree. Um, and I could talk about this topic. This could actually be like a separate podcast where we talk about <laughs> vulnerability management. It's what, um, in previous teams that I work at in and like, and, and this is a still, Uh, what a lot of companies struggle with is that we bring a tool like, you know, that there's some many good tools and I'm not going to name any of them, but you get a tool, you scan, you have lots, you have a big report and the, the standard way is that you give that report to a developer and you tell them, hey, you have vulnerabilities, could you address those vulnerabilities? That's very impractical and we, we, they have a big backlog. Now you add it, you, you double the size of work that they have to do. And, and I think the, the, the better approach here is, if you're going to do vulnerability management, and you should, is to really think about having a function that really just sit and give developers only actionable um, data. Like if it's not actionable, do not waste your time. Like, First of all, is it exploitable? Is there's an exploitable um, intelligence out there that suggests that someone was able to exploit this? Second, is it like front facing, um, or is it like some, like a tool that no one, no user will be accessing? It's private. It's about behind a, a VPN or something like that. So when you kind of do uh, a careful threat modeling, um, and you understand your apps, you understand your attackers. Um, you could probably give them something more actionable than just, hey, here's a report. Um, and to go back to your people worrying about, like, really advanced techniques, that's not the case. Like, if you look at the popular preaches over the last three years, it's usually a, an open S3 bucket, like something as simple as that. Right. And, right. yeah.
0: Zombie VPN account. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, and yeah, so it seems like, you know, like I I know, I know with some of the stuff that you guys are doing that I, I feel like it addresses, it addresses kind of both, both aspects of that because there are zero days or whatever, but it's like, well, if you, but if you take the focus from, I need to identify these vulnerabilities and fix them to instead saying, I need to understand the way threat actors work and look for the telltale signs you know I need to look for you know you know anomalous behaviors I need to look for you know there there are just there there are things that you know that maybe the average person wouldn't recognize but that a cybersecurity person would look and go oh that that's shady um or 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 even things that are not in and of themselves shady but when you put them together in the bigger picture you know when you say okay well you know it's okay for that to do that but it's doing that and then that and then jumping over there and okay now that's that's seeming suspicious you know and and you know so it seems like if you if you approach it from that angle i feel like you are better able to defend both against known threats and unknown threats because you're not you're not relying on your ability to identify the vulnerability you're like you know you don't have to know okay i know exactly what vulnerability they're going after or i know exactly what exploit they're using it's just recognizing hey there's some some suspicious stuff going on
1: yep so this is a great segue to the, you know, the conversation about the main topic of the today's kind of uh, podcast. We, like I'm, a, I do some soccer coaching, um, like here in local high school, and one of the things that we usually tell students or um, soccer players that you're either chasing the game or the game is chasing you. Um, this is really, this is very applicable here in cybersecurity where If you waiting for attacker for a zero day and then trying to respond to that zero day, you are you reactive. You really, you know, there is vulnerability and then we're going to have the hands, all hands on deck and we're going to do some patching. If we are using a a WAF, maybe we'll, you know, deploy a virtual patch and until developers get like um, get to really patch that vulnerability. But what if you kind of spend some time um, trying to understand your attackers, um, collecting as much intelligence, as much data you can, to kind of stay ahead of them always. You have the data uh, based on intelligence. But for now, let's maybe get into um, the concept of of adversary-aware applications. this is a concept where you know you have your tra- traditional app and how do they react to common um, attacks, right? You have a traditional app um, like Hey TechPerspective.com, for example. They are at- an attacker is attempting to c- at, um, conduct a SQL injection attack. What usually happens is that the application is going to evaluate if it's a legit request or if it matches some of like it's if it's not legit it's it's not the expected input the application will just block it right the difference um an adversary aware application is an application that not only does that but also capture as much information about that request so you know os browser where you're coming from what you're trying to do and it not only take an allow list approach, it's, only, it's also take another approach, which is a block list kind of approach where we say, if it has a script tag, maybe this is a, a, a like a cross-site scripting attack, and we're going to take that and we're going to record it. If it has some SQL injection code, we are going to label that as a SQL injection attack. We're not just going to block it and be silent about it, you are going to note lots of other metadata about that request and store it. And we're going to see how many attempts we get. We got where in the application. And now you have some data about that user or attacker who's trying to do something. And you could over time you could you could tell a story about you know for for Adobe products you have Photoshop you have you know Frame you have many products you could tell a story about that attacker. Who is targeting Photoshop and not targeting frame? Who is targeting um, product A versus par- product P? And you could go back to developers and kind of give them that data, and that will feed into you know, secure coding practices, which is the really important thing here. It's not about the tools that kind of detect things after the, the fact, it's about all the tools that can detect things ahead of time. And if you kind of speak about like the phases of, of an attack, uh, we, you, attackers usually start with something like Nmap. All right, I'm going to throw things at you, um, trying to know like what kind of errors I get. This is the first phase, right? The second phase is, hey, I think they have a SQL database based on the, the, the errors that I'm getting. They have this, they have that, they kind of profile the application and they understand what technologies that are you uh, you are using, and they will develop exploits targeting those technologies and weaknesses. This is this is the second phase, exploit development. The last phase is actually exploit, and we usually detect things after the fact, after the exploit has happened. For example, if they are attempting to create a SQL user, the application will note that hey, someone just created an admin SQL user but it's done. The application, um, an application aware. um, Is going to detect things in the first phase like the. The first, the beginning when they they get errors, you know, errors are being generated and there's so much noise. We try to label that ahead of time and take some action.
0: Okay yeah the 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 recognizing like you know some of the behaviors it reminds me like you know back back in the day when I was doing network admin stuff and 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 you know working like you know in, in the trenches we we would look at logs and say okay well you know we have all these like failed you know failed login attempts and and someone will be like, oh, well, you know, we need to, we, you know, we need to look at that. That's a concern. And, 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 and as I looked at it, I said, wait a minute, that's actually not the concern. Like we logged them as failed attempts. Like obviously they, they we stopped them. <laughs> we have a record of that. Um, the, the, what we need to know is which ones didn't we catch. And that's the hard part <laughs> It's like having a log of all the ones you blocked doesn't really help you. You need to know which ones didn't you block. Um, you know, so a lot, but a lot of what you are describing, and and, and this happens, this happens a lot, and especially I think happens a lot. Uh, it's happening a lot more right now. Um, is we have all these different tools and solutions and products in cybersecurity, um, and the Venn diagram has a lot of overlap to it. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of tools. Yeah, you know, like we're all trying to solve the same problems in slightly different ways. You know, someone comes along and says, "Oh, well, you know, what? I think I have a little bit better way to do that." Um. You know, but so the the approach that you describe for you know having an adversary aware application or whatever, it sound it sounds to me at face value like it's sort of part part threat intelligence or threat hunting and part user behavior analytics, you know, like you're, 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 you're partly looking at, okay, well, how much threat intelligence do I have about, you know, how, how, how potential attackers work, um, and, and what kind of what's going on in the world, like things I should, I I should maybe be looking for. And then also what do I know is normal and how is what I'm seeing different from that? Um, I guess, first of all, I would say, do you think that's a fair assessment? And second of all, like is like how would you say the adversary aware approach is similar or different than say threat hunting and user analytics or behavioral analytics?
1: This is a very good question. So when we first started thinking about this concept, we thought about all of these. All right, threat intelligence, um, or you know tools like EDR, web application firewalls. Where is the gap? Because if we're going to promote a new concept or a new approach, um, what where are the gaps, and wh- what we need to do to fill those gaps? Because you know we do not want to you know reinvent the the wheel. This approach is think of it as a runtime solution, and it's application specific, like it it's it's aware of the business logic. If we go and buy a WAF. The WAF will, you know, it's a generic product that is designed to address or to support any use, like many use cases. It doesn't really care about your specific product. It doesn't care if it's a, a photo processing application or a video processing application or a financial application. It's just going to say, if I see a SQL injection attempt, I am going to block it, right? This approach is a little similar to what the WAF does, um, but it's it's more like it, the, the false positive are really low because you know the developer is aware of how they built the application. They know what's normal and what's not normal for that application. And developers are really close to their code. So you piggyback on that because they live there, they are coding every day. They could just add a few line of codes that says, this is expected, let it pass. This is not expected based on my business logic, and I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and take this the following action. There are many things that we could do on top of this. For example, we notice an attack, uh, and again, to just reiterate where this um, uh, tool sits. It sits at the first, um, the discovery layer, like using NMAP, generating so many errors nobody noticing right like if I if I were to give you an example using your network um, login solutions if you go and hire some third-party pen testing tool you don't tell anyone they come they start hacking and they start pen testing you're usually gonna catch them by you know th- those networking um, alerts. Like you're going to hey, we have pen testers. We see these errors. Can somebody allow this? Or can somebody do XYZ about it? You're not going to notice any noise as far as the app itself. They may come, they start hacking. You're not going to notice anything unless you see that report. This is what we're trying to change. At the discovery layer, when they come, when they start scanning, generating some like SQL errors, trying to understand your application, here is what we try to label you, try to profile the attacker, and make some decisions. Threat intelligence, like it's you try, you're anticipating what the attacker is going to do, but not it's not based on your actual application. It's just based on generic, you know, industry feed or generic data that is out there about what attackers generally do. But this approach will actually allow you to know who's that attacker. Why they're coming after you? Like, what is the motive? What time? What country? You will get the opportunity to really understand the adversary and plan to combat them according to actual data from your application.
0: Okay. Um. So, in in you know previous roles, I've you know I've worked closely with, uh, I've worked closely with an MDR. Company I've worked closely with an XDR company, um, although right now I feel like everyone thinks they're an XDR company. Um, but um, the you know the the concept sounds similar to me in that it, you're you know you know j- just following that evolution from from sort of antivirus software to EDR was a similar logic of hey instead of having to like know you know instead of having to like capture all of the malware var- variants and reverse engineer them to create signature files and then scan everything that comes in against our database of signature files so we can figure out what's what. What if we just looked for things that look like malicious behavior and detect that and then, you know, raise an alert and so people can respond to it? Um, I mean, that's kind of the basis of EDR. And then we've just kind of extended that to, OK, well, what if we did the whole network? It seems like your approach is like, okay, but what if we went the other way? What if we went micro instead of macro and we said, what if we do detection and response at the application level?
1: That's true. And also that gives you more flexibility as far as what actions to take. For example, one of the things that we are exploring is that, all right, we detected this as an attack. We labeled it as an attack. There is this attack, multiple IPs, multiple users from this country, we label we have a label now we understand this is an attack we could redirect you to another version of this application you you assuming that you, you, you're still there redirect to to uh, like a staging environment and we let you attack do you think because you know it's an within the application logic right you think you are attacking us we collect as much data as we can we have we send that data to our you know, uh, adversarial intelligence um, functioned functions that d- they actually gather and know more about attackers by looking at the logs, what kind of you know strings they are using, what kind of commands they are running, and so on. So that gives you more flexibility as far as um what to do next. And also, again, it's like developers are really receptive to modifying their code to do something. I am. Like, the, you know, like you have that bride, that connection to your code. If you go to a developer and give some advice to make the code better, they will code it. They will they will implement it. Instead of bringing many, many tools, right? And each tool is addressing this one thing and you have to send all the log to a SIM. We still do that, don't get me wrong. Like we, you still need all, like with security, the more the better, but as long as you could, you know, Reduce the noise and and make some um, provide some actionable data. This approach is going to supplement EDR, WAF, um, like container security tooling. It's think of it uh, as 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 um, think of it think of it as a way to reduce noise and get some actionable uh, insights about your attackers and attacks.
0: Okay. Um. <clears throat> Which is a good segue because my 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 next thought was um you know it was kind of like okay but if i if i'm doing if I'm doing detection or response at the application level which is like you know I'm uh, that's at at the at the you know front end you know at the you know where the, where the rubber meets the road so to speak um do I still need edr do I still need xdr? Um, you know, if I've already, if I, if I'm already doing detection and response at, at this, at this lower level, um, and, you know, so part of my thought was, okay, well, if I have, so if I have application aware, uh, I mean, if I have adversary aware applications, do I even need those things or does it negate them? Um, but then, you know, based on what you just said and kind of augmenting it and, and kind of, you know, into, you know, working together, it seems like maybe instead of negating it, it's more like. Figuring out how to uh, integrate it, figuring out how to you know make sure that they talk together, talk to each other in a way that is useful for you from a holistic perspective. Because one of the problems is like a lot of tools are great at what they do. You know, like your your EDR might be great, your firewall might be great, your SIM might be great. All those things might be great in and of themselves. The problem is that from a cybersecurity perspective, you're not trying to accomplish what each one of those tools does you're trying to accomplish a bigger picture that requires all of those tools and so you need them to be able to talk to each other talk in the same language and present to you as the as the you know IT security lead as the CISO as the whatever i i need i need it presented to me as a holistic this is what my security posture looks like
1: exactly so you know in, in cybersecurity there is not one tool that would do it all. No one solution that can do it all, right? Like you have to approach it from, you know, tech stack perspective for this, for containers, I need this tool, for AWS layer, I need this that tool, application layer, I need like five tools. And the problem in this, and, and the main thing is try to get the data that you can use to solve, the, to address security issues, right? Um. So, yeah, Um. Uh, solutions like this will only supplement tools like WAF and EDR. And I had this conversation with a colleague of mine where he said, when I ran this idea by him last year, he said, where do I start? Like, how can I start? Like, assume I don't have anything, right? I suggested, like, hey, start with a web application firewall. Like it's 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 a great tool to start with. Like you know you're gonna you're gonna know how many SQL injection attempts. Yeah, there may be some false positives, but it's gonna give you a good understanding of who's attacking you, what's the user agent, what's the IP address, and so on. Right. Then you can go more granular and business logic specific by deploying something like this that is really sp- like homegrown, addresses your Applications, your customers, your attackers, right? And there are also some open source uh, initiatives that are trying to address this problem right now. One of them is uh, a project called AppSensor by the O-ops. Um and it, it's it's a little heavy, but they provide some good examples, some code samples that you know you could take them and 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 use them as, as a starting point.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um. The concept uh you know uh, uh, adversary aware you know applications digital products whatever the concept is you know something you guys have, have come up with you know in, in adobe something you're, you know you're you're personally working on um is it yeah you know, do, do you foresee it being possible to be a a a future product category like I would go out and I'd buy EDR and I'd buy some ADR you know for my for my application detection and response or is it something that is just needs to be lower than that like it it really is it really is kind of part of the DevSecOps process it's part of the it's part of the development cycle it's not like a a product you can add on after the fact it's 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 something that's got to be coded into the application itself
1: very very good question I thought about that and I start looking at what. If there are tools that kind of address this problem currently, and there are few like one or two, one tool out of uh, Datadog, I think. But they are still um, not going to understand that business logic. They do a pretty good job. You could start with them for sure. but they are not going to address this uh, problem. I think that, that we're going to see some products soon. Um, I'm seeing some some startups um, exploring this this idea uh, here and there, but I think you're going to still need to have something in-house, like developers who understand their business logic need to implement some of this.
0: It almost seems like, inst- you know, like more of Instead of it being like a product I buy and install, and it just kind of sits on my network and watches things or whatever, or sits on my you know endpoint and watches things, it seems like it would fit more in the shift left, Veracode, you know, like the AppSec, you know, uh, offerings where it's like, okay, we're gonna make this part of our you know as as we scan your code and and tell you what's wrong with it you know this is you know this is part of what we're going to build into it like maybe maybe that's the approach is it it, be, it becomes part of appsec tooling
1: exactly uh, and you could think about like a a good example would be think about like how developers do like error handling as you're building your application you're going to catch some exceptions you're going to send those somewhere and you're gonna you know your sre team are going to react based on that data it's very targeted cpu ram utilization and stuff like that right there are some tools that kind of do that but you could there there are some things you have to catch those errors yourself there is no tool is going to do that this is exactly the same thing just think about it from a security perspective you started coding all right here this function handle authentication right I want to detect uh, credential stuffing attacks, right? For example, if you see, um, I only accept 15 character passwords. If I see 16, I want to log that. And I'm going to log all things related to that. And you can go like to SQL injection, like all common attacks, you could do the same thing. Okay, interesting.
0: Well, uh, you know, i think that it sounds uh, like i i agree that it it sounds like a a a, a good approach you know of, of being able to say you know just going back to the very beginning going back to the idea of you know even even if i could even if i could know all of the vulnerabilities is like the 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 just the process of constantly vulnerability scanning and then trying to prioritize and address the patching and mitigation that goes with that is just, it's a, it's a, da- it's daunting for any size organization and and for larger organizations, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, a you know, it's S- sisyphian you know, just, <laughs> you know, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to get there. Um, so it, it makes sense to, you know, try to build that into at into the into the product at the application level to be able to say okay i recognize you know that this is uh you know suspicious or malicious um and i really like the part that you, you know that you mentioned kind of later on towards the end of not just taking that and saying oh i recognize that this is suspicious activity um i'm going to block i'm just going to shut this down um, but instead, you know, sort of honeypotting them, you know, sort of like being like, all right, well, you know what, you go ahead and play. Let's, let's see how, let's, let's see what you do. um, You know, because you, 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 you learn a lot from that. You know, so instead, you know, it's like, if, you know, it's like, I, I, I see that happen. Uh, it, it comes up all the time. And I'm gonna go back to my James Bond references. It comes up all the time in like, you know, thriller type, you know, movies and books or whatever, where it's like, well, if you just end it, now well, now you've got nothing. You you have no trail to follow. You know, like if you if you if you killed a bad guy, well now you can't even ask him like who was he working for or whatever. It's like <laughs> you 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 need to kind of follow it along and, and see where it goes so that you can learn from it.
1: Exactly. Like if if I were to summarize all of this, yes, the all tools will tell you something about the attacker, um, but those tools are not like Specific to you, to your use case, to your business logic, to your applications, to your users. You're not going to know about who is targeting you unless you intentionally, intentionally, and deliberately go and decide what to log about that attacker. Like an analogy, like there is some nutrition advice that is given to everyone avoid junk food, avoid exercise, you know, and you're going to get some benefit. But you know your genes matter, right? Like if you from this region, maybe you're allergic to X. If you right. from that region, like it's not as like the general nutrition advice. is not as specific to you, right? Um, and you have to explore that and figure out what works for you and what doesn't.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. That was uh, a interesting conversation. So I and and uh, like I said, I like the. Uh, the implications of what um you know how how that could help improve security so um yeah definitely thank you for taking the time and um you know maybe maybe at some point in the future we'll schedule another podcast and we can just uh, spend spend an hour on vulnerability management and and <laughs> and looking and forward to it why why it's why it's an overwhelming and daunting experience
1: exactly um thank you so much and thank you for having us Thank you.
0: I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, Please go like our Facebook page and follow at techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you love it. Let me know if it sucks and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what, uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts.